0: I miss that. Pray with me as I pray. Father God, I just thank you that um, there are few places in the world I can go where I can sense your presence, like being in this place with your people. Lord, you are a good God. I thank you for the time that we've already had where we can just be still and soak in your spirit. I pray that as we continue to praise you through your word, as we continue to Worship you at your table. Lord, I pray that your presence would be felt in this place. I thank you for these beautiful people that so nourish my soul. Because I see you in them. Lord, may we see you ever more clearly. That it might conform us into your beautiful image. For the fame and the glory of your name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word of God.
1: I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes it. He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat, grab your Bibles, and find that passage if you would, John chapter 15. It is um, good to be back. Um, it, was a, it was a blessing to be away for three weeks, and I, and I want to um, publicly again thank john and rj and brian for doing a faithful job of preaching his word for me so i could be away but but not just the three of them there's so many things that that have to happen like for a pool party like yesterday to take place and um just for even the weekly services and other things that are going on and helping pe- helping others with benevolence and all the things that our little church does um and and to be a church that has zero staff where everybody is a volunteer except for me and to have it um, go on without missing a beat while i'm gone is a massive blessing that that I know many of my fellow pastors at churches like ours um don 't have that ability, and so I'm thankful to them i'm thankful to you and I'm thankful to God for that. We are in the middle of this series It's actually week seven of this series that we're calling what christians believe and and we started it for the summer thinking about like what is going on in our world and how do we better engage um the the culture that we're in with the questions that they're asking but not just the culture because honestly if we want if we want to be honest and real with one another we have questions like we have moments of doubt we have times where we're like yeah but with all that is going on and even the things that were prayed for during our prayer time and like is there really um like like are are, are there not am, am i the only one i guess who sometimes struggles with okay but is this real you know, and it's hard to admit that. But guys, if we can't admit it here, where can we? You know, we need to be a place, and I, and I believe that we have become a place where, where not just the outside world could come in and get their questions answered, but even we can honestly say, hey, I'm struggling with this part of our faith walk right now, and, and not judge each other for it, but actually help one another and encourage one another in the midst of that walk of faith. And so, um, so we're in this series, and we started out with, how do we even know God exists? That was week one, and we talked about how we know God exists because, because we exist. Because, and I'm not going to go through all the different there all the seri- all the messages on the series are, are are on our website and they're on our podcast feed so you can go back and listen to them but we know that because there is creation there was a creator and then we talked about okay but but if that's true and he is this good god then why is there evil in the world why are there bad things why is there cancer why is there Alzheimer's? Why are those kinds of things going on in the world? And the answer is even our even our question of why is there evil presupposes the existence of good to compare it to, which presupposes the existence of God. So even if, so, there is a God, and even and even the wrong in the world helps prove his his very existence. The question becomes, what's he doing in the world? And so we looked at week three. We talked about his story. So what is God's story from beginning to end? And we looked at that one week. And then, um, and then we looked at, okay, so if, if that is the story, who is the, the story all about? And John taught, uh, taught us that um, the story from beginning to end is all about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then we looked at, okay, so if, if, if there is a God and there is a problem, our rebellion, and the story is a, prob- is a story of redemption, and that redemption happens through Christ, specifically how does that happen? And that's what we call the gospel. And RJ taught on the gospel. And then last week we talked about okay, so if all of that's true and the gospel is real and we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, then what in the world's with all the rules? Why, why did it take God all of these pages to list what I just said in a sentence? Right, and the answer, and that's what Brian taught on last week, talking about how the the law is used to press us into our need for Christ. Now, what we're gonna do with the last four weeks of this series, Lord willing, is we're gonna we're gonna kind of move into the far more personal level. So we're taking sort of the the theology, this is what Christians believe, like as as our theology, and we're going to talk about okay, so what does that look like then in our lives? And we're going to talk about things like identity and how to live in freedom. We're going to talk about how to find the will of God. And we're going to talk about then how do we how do we become the collective we of the church? And then, Lord willing, we're going to jump into the Gospel of Matthew starting in August, and we're just going to walk with Jesus as we walk along together through that amazing work. But today, we're talking about what is your identity. And our first. so let's look at our first talking points question. The talking points are on the back of your bulletin insert. So if you want to look at your bulletin insert, the first talking points question says, Why is there such a battle for identity in our culture today? Why is there such a battle for identity? I'm asking. We're we are an interactive church. We want, we want to be our own God. Pressure from the world. It's the message that we're getting. That's being received. Like that we're getting um, from the world is this idea of of um, identity can be found within you. What else? Our fle- like naturally on our own, our flesh wants. Just Yeah, you know, I've heard it said this way. If if you're sinning and it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Right? Like, like the, the reality is that that the that the bad things in the world often short term feel really good. That's why we do them. Right? And our flesh and the enemy tend to shove us in those directions. So there is, there, is a, there is a massive battle, but, but, but as I was thinking about this message and praying about this message, and I had some extra time, obviously, over the three weeks I was gone to be thinking about this message, the more I thought about how this, is really the, this isn't a battle for identity, who you say you are, it's really a love issue. It's a battle for love, and and all of that connects to what Scott and John and others were saying is because the thing we love more than anything else, whether we want to admit it or not, the thing we love more than anything else is we love ourselves. Like I love me a little, Doug. You know, like like now I now there are there are things about me I don't like. There are whole seasons of my life that I can't stand. There are times in my life where I don't even want, I don't even want to be with me, at this but but. Way down deep in the dark recesses of my of of my of my yet fully renewed soul, right is there's this part of me that's going yeah, but but I really like me, right and and so the, the, it, uh, my problem is my identity is is tied to loving the wrong thing, and that's what led me to picking John. So so if you find John chapter 15, um, we're gonna look at we're gonna look at uh, the passages that Scott just read. I'm gonna go through most of them I think today, but but Um, a theologian and neuroscientist which is an interesting combination theologian and neuroscientist um carl what is his name carl or kurt thomas he says this he says that that you were born looking for someone looking for you this is a christian neuroscientist and he says that in your brain we are pre-wired like from birth we are born looking for somebody looking for us. Now, the way we've heard that described in like Christendom is we all have this like God-shaped hole in our heart. That's the scientist's way, this Christian sci- the scientist way of saying that, that we are all born wanting to have that hole filled. The problem is we fill it with unhealthy things. We fill it with, we're all trying to, and so, so what we see going on in our culture and what has been true from all time in all cultures is that we are, we are out trying to consume the world because we're trying to fill this hole. That's why today this time that we had even in prayer and in, and in song was so important for us because it, it, it gives us the this, this, this so rarely given space to fill that hole with what really matters. And that hole that to fill it and ultimately what really matters is to fill that hole with God. Guys, what we see happening in our culture today with the LBGTQ stuff and the um and and even this, the, the 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 American dream of always striving for more and, and prestige and, and power and like th- those are all things that that are that are just symptoms of the problem. And the problem is we define ourselves poorly we have a wrong identity. So the question that we're asking today is, how does how you identify yourself shape everything else about how you see the world? How does how you identify yourself shape everything about how you see the world? And guys, this is not just a message for the people that are struggling with their identity, whether that's what we see going on, and, we, and it's just being blasted at us all the time in our social media feeds, et cetera, with what's going on with tran- transgenderism and redefining marriage and, and all those things. Guys, this is true for all of us. All of us have identity problems, right? Like the LGBTQ um, revolution or whatever you want to call it, contagion, did not invent identity issues. It has always been so. We have, ba- back in the 80s, some of you remember this line from a movie greed is good. right the, what, 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 our identity in like that was that was it was get more, buy more, have more. The one who has the most toys wins, right That was like that it has always been a true thing for us. We've always had this wrong view of identity. So how does it affect everything that we see? Well, it, here three ways we're going to look at it today. It informs how you want to be known. It conforms. How you feel love, and it transforms how you live your life. and And the Apostle John is going to show us in these pa- in this passage how those things are true. So let's look at our first point. It informs how you want to be known. So how does your identity, can, how does how does it view, um uh, make you view everything in your world? The first thing is it actually um. Conf- like, um Informs how you want to be known. It, it says, "This is how I define myself. This is how I describe myself. This is how I find value." So look at so look at uh, verse one of chapter fifteen. This is Jesus speaking. He's on his way to the cross. He says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit." That's His way of saying there are some people that are connected to me. And then there are others that are, there are some that are not connected to me. Then there are others that are connected to me, but even they are experiencing um, some opportunities for growth, some pruning, so that we will go from good fruit to great fruit to God's fruit. And then he goes on to say, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So there's the power of the word. Now look at what he says. This is the key. Connection is the key. Abide in me and I in you. Abiding is the place of connection. It's the place where the branch connects to the vine. So when, when he says, abide in me, you can almost picture him in, in a vineyard, walking along with his disciples. They're on their way to the cross. They've left the upper room. They're on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. At some point, they're passing a vine. You can almost picture him pointing at the place where the vi- the vine and the branch connect, pointing to it and going, abide. This is what abide looks like. It looks like this place of connection and he says as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides or is connected in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me connection is key guys i am the vine and you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he bears much fruit for apart from me chopped off from me if you've if you've done any landscaping you know you chop off a branch what's going to happen to it it's going to wither and die he's saying you can do nothing but he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, um, and, and um, I'm sorry, he, and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. We should read into that, and you will read this week in your daily readings, a scene like Matthew chapter 7, where where. Um, during the Sermon on the Mount, he says, people come to Jesus and say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do these amazing things in your name? Didn't we call ourselves Christians? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. They were never really connected. They just were calling themselves. So calling yourself a Christian does not make yourself a Christian. Being in church does not make you a Christian. Just like being in a garage does not make you a car. That's what my our Bible teacher Larry Wright used to say all the time. He says in verse seven, "If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you." Now, I, I, if you've been here any length of the time, you know I can't I can't let a verse like that pass by and go and and my word abides in you and sh- and say, guys, there's the importance of the power of the word, and you're going to hear this over and over in the message today that there is that it is so the o- the only real antidote for the. Wrong identity that the world is screaming at us all the time is to renew your mind with the truth of God's word. That's it. That really is all we got. Because everything else is screaming a me message. And so, the biggest struggle of the of the wrong identity movement, whether you want to talk about the LGBTQ movement or the prosperity movement or whatever you want like what what the 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 biggest struggle is not things like greed and they want for more or even homosexuality or even transgenderism guys the the big issue is self-worship that behind all of it it is the the big issue behind identity politics is self-worship it is trying to, un- it's all been a tool of the enemy f- literally from the beginning. I was gonna have you turn there, I'm not gonna because it seems like I have you guys turn there almost every Sunday, but Genesis chapter three. What is the battle there in Genesis chapter three? If you don't know the story, create- we're created in chapters one and two, doesn't last long. By chapter three, third page of your Bible, things go south because Satan convinces Adam and Eve How does he convince them to reject God? What's the battle? Identity. I'll be like, you'll be like God. If, if if you will just do, guys, it's, it is the guys. It is the battle, and you're going to read this this week too. It is the battle that Jesus and Satan are having in the wilderness when Jesus is wandering in the wilderness for 40 days and he's fasting, and Satan comes to him again and again and again. He is the 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 battle they're having isn't about whether he's hungry or not, or or even kingdom or not. The battle is he is saying to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, prove it. But prove it my way. And Jesus is like, I I don't have to prove it. I am. Now get away from me. Now, the problem has always been an identity problem. In, in In Genesis 1 and 2, we are made not just good, but we are made very good. We are made in the image of, the, the, the reason it goes from God created the heavens and the earth, and God created the, the plants, and, God, and all those things are good, good, good. And the reason it goes from good to very good is, only, is because of this. Because you and I were created in God's image. That's it. That is the great differentiator of, of our identity. No other part of God's creation, as wonderful as the galaxies are, as beautiful as the stars are, as amazing as his creation is, and and we were blessed to be in some really pretty parts of it while we were away. None of it compares to the majesty of you. Because you were created in God's image. Now here's the I say that. Just stop. I saw some looks. none of it compares to the majesty of you, and right away. How does that make some of us feel? Self-worship. We start going, it it felt uncomfortable, didn't it, to hear that? Because you're almost like, wait a minute, aren't you telling me that, like, like that sounds like you're being boastful and prideful. The majesty of you is him in you. You're made in his image. That's the, but but do you see how the reason we, kind of bristle a little bit when you hear something like the majesty of you is greater than any other part of creation is because we immediately start we, we, we default to self-worship instead of going oh it's because i'm made in the image of god look at your second talking points question i, I want to drive this point home by looking at the set by, by asking this question Because the problem is, we have become so, guys, what we see going on in our culture today, but what has always been going on, is including right at the beginning with Adam and Eve, is we are so performance-oriented. We feel like we have to put on a show to be accepted. Guys, what's dragging our young adults into this contagion of, of transgenderism is a desire for acceptance. It's 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 taking a time when guys. All of us. I mean, do you, I, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'll be fifty-five fairly soon, and I, I barely remember being a teenager. Don't ever want to go back to that time. But here's what I remember about that time. What a struggle for identity. I was not a believer. I was not raised in a Christian home. I did not know Jesus. I I, I think back to the, I've thought a lot about this during this message, guys. I, so much of the first twenty-four years of my life. We're, we're filled with unhealthy ways of trying to find my identity finding my identity in relationships with unhealthy relationships with women finding my identity in unhealthy relationships with other people finding my identity in getting good grades in school which even isn't a bad thing finding my identity in trying to in being a starter on our basketball team being finding my identity in getting the, the, a job. Getting a good job, finding like like all of it, without ever giving any thought to things like is is this what God would have for your life? Is this do you understand that you're made? I didn't even know God, but guys, so much of our lives, so much of what we see going on is is especially and and why we're being discipled by TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram, and it's all feeding these incre these people who are not just youth because. like we, we adults struggle with our identity too. But we're being we're being told a false identity, and and we're being discipled by that, and that discipleship by a false voice is causing us to run down that road as a culture. Right, we're not walking there anymore. We're running full speed, and and it's because we're listening to the wrong voice. But to help drive the point home that this is for everybody, look at your talking points question says this. It says, when you're introducing yourself to a new group, so even for you young people, maybe you're on a new basketball team or maybe you're in a new class at school and the first day of school or whatever it is, when you're introducing yourself to a group of people or you're filling out a bio describing yourself, maybe there's something that made you like you're, you're opening up your Instagram account and saying, how do you describe yourself or whatever it is, how do you start IDing yourself? I'm asking. And don't give me the right answer. Give me the honest answer. How do you, when you meet somebody new, how do you identify yourself? What? Job. Job. Guys, this is huge for men. I don't, I don't know that it is for women because I'm not one. And by the way, there is a difference. Um, but men, guys, do, do you know, I, I never ask a man, what do you do for a living? Do you know why? Because all. All men do is ask each other what they do for a living. And it's because that's how we measure each other. It's just like when I'm, in a, when I'm in a pastor's meeting with other pastors from other churches, I never ask a pastor, so how big is your church? Do you know why? Because that's what they all ask. You know why? Because that's how we measure ourselves. How else? How, so how else do you identify yourself? So maybe it's by your job. Nationality. Where you live, what? Graduating class. Graduating class. Or if you graduated. Right. What? Accomplishments. Right? So, so, so think about it. so, So how should we identify ourselves? Child of God. Like when you meet somebody, when, when I, I make a point when I'm in these meetings with their pastors and they'll talk about, it, so tell us a little bit about, you know how you, know, you go around the room and they tell you've know, you got two minutes to tell about yourself. I always start with, I am a Christian. I have been, I've been a follower of Christ for 20-something years, whatever. like I'll always start there. Then I'll go to, I've been married to my wife for 27 years, a, a week ago. right? And then I'll go to, I am the father of three daughters who love the Lord and love his bride. And then I'll go, and oh, by the way, I happen to be the pastor at Cross-Train Church. Not because I don't think this is an important role, I do. But because I don't want this role to define me. Now here's the question. So the follow-up question is, how does how we describe ourselves or what does how we describe ourselves say about our self-perceived identity? I'm asking. What? What we prioritize. What comes out of our mouth is an overflow of what's in our hearts. So if I say, if somebody says, so so tell me a little about yourself, and I say, well, I'm the pastor at Cross-Train Church, and oh, by the way, I'm a Christian, or I've been married. Like, like, what am I? What am I? Sa- what am I not just saying to them? What What is inside of me? What's the number one priority to me in my identity, being the pastor of Cross Train Church? All right? It's it's and and so so start paying. So the reason I wanted to ask this question is one: we're all guilty of it because I guarantee you, everybody in this room has introduced themselves in some interesting ways. And I, and I want, it, but, but bigger than just in introductory moments, I want you to think about how that inner voice, guys, Paul Tripp says, like you speak to yourself more than, than everything else speaks, everything else that speaks to you, including your devices. The voice in your head speaks way more than all of that combined. So, what is it saying? What is your own voice saying to you about your identity? Right? That's the question you want to ask. and you'll know what it's saying by how you answer questions like, so tell me a little bit about yourself, right? Do I say that I am like that I am a Christian who happens to be these other things, or do I say, here's who I am? And oh by the way, I happen to be a Christian as well. So that's the first point, and it's gone way too long. So let me um, I didn't I wasn't going to teach for an hour and a half, but apparently now I am. Okay. So, the question we're looking at today is, how does how, how does how you identify yourself affect everything about how you see the world? The first thing is, it informs how you want to be known. The second thing is, it conforms how you feel loved. Now, where do I get that? Well, look at verse 8 of chapter 15. He says, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be in that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. Now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I just want I just want to stop for a second here and say, so how many of you right now in this moment would say you are experienced the, experiencing the fullness? Of the joy of the Lord in your life. Because Jesus is saying it right here. He's saying, Doug, these things I have spoken to you, Doug, that you might be full of my joy. Overflowing with my joy. Now, some people might say something like, well, wait a minute, that was just, um, he was saying that to the 11 disciples that were still with him at this point. That isn't a message for Doug, that isn't a message for Adam, that isn't a message for Pat, that isn't a message for Jeff, that's a message for them. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that is a dangerous way to read the Bible. It is a, a there are, one, it's just a, it's not a, it's a foolish, I was going to say a bad word, it's a foolish way to read the Bible because, because it. You, you causes you to miss on the many promises of God that are for you. In other words, if what we're saying is, well, that was only a promise for them at that time, that is not using. And today we're talking. One of the things we're doing in this series is talking about ways of viewing Scripture. Today we're talking. I'm I'm we're, I'm using a consistent biblical hermeneutic is what it's called. A consistent biblical hermeneutic. It just means you read all of Scripture through the same lens you don't say this one is a promise for for them but this one is a promise for me you say if 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 you're going to be consistent then you want to consistently look at all of scripture that way and say yes context is king yes we have to consider the audience but we also don't want to just go oh but wait a minute this was not written to me so it can't be for me it was written it was not written to us it was written for us. That's, that's an aside. Now let's go back to the main part of the So How do we get back to, the, to this idea of how it conforms how you love? Well, look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. Now, guys, there's a message right there. As the Father, this is Jesus saying, as the, in the same way my heavenly Father has loved me, I love you. Now, I've written down in my Bible, wow. Because how does the Heavenly Father love the Heavenly Son? Perfectly, extravagantly, unendingly, like, like in ways that we can't even imagine. But do we really experience, do we really feel that love? Guys, it is easier for me to feel useful to God than to feel loved by God. I'm going to say that again. It is easier for me to feel useful to God than to be loved by God because I'm a doer. So I'm like, hey, God's called me to his team. He's saved me. He's given me some gifts and abilities. You know, like, God, tell me what to do, and I'll do it because you kind of probably, you might even need my help a little bit, God. And I feel really good about doing things for God. It's way harder for me to just sit. It, like, like, the prayer time is my favorite time of our, of our Sundays, and it's also the most uncomfortable Because it's much harder for me to just sit and be still and let my soul just settle into the love of God. It's much easier for me to do what I'm doing right now. To be used by him, hopefully, to proclaim his truth to his people. Do you, do I, really feel comfortable living in the love of God? Guys, here's a question. Do you believe that Christ died for you? all of you i don't mean all of you i mean all of you and all of you and all of you guys jesus died for the messed up you do you understand that jesus did not die for some future better version of you he is not waiting for you to get your act together so that he can love you more he loves you now with all your faults with all the love of the universe but do we really, do, do, does, does that really conform my identity? Do I really live in that kind of knowledge of his love? The answer is no. Do you? The answer is no. The, the fight for, for our walk, honestly, to me, isn't about doing. It's, it's about beholding, yes. It's not about behaving, but it's really about are we, are we really believing that he loves us the way he says he loves us? And if so, what else matters, right? And it's that last part I think that we probably struggle with. It's the if so, what else matters, guys. Understand this: all feelings are real. When you're feeling inadequate, when you're feeling discouraged, guys, some of you right now are in a place of you're you're discouraged, you're angry, you're um, disgruntled, you're disenchanted, you're you're just like it's just you're just it just you just are. So am I, like at times. Right? Those feelings are real. We don't ever want to discount someone's feelings. When someone says they, they're they feeling, they're, they're not feeling like the gender that they were born in. I'm just going to use that as the example because it's part of the conversation in the air. Right? We don't ever want to discount those feelings. Right? Just, like, just like when someone's feeling discouraged, you don't want to go, well, buck up, Jesus died for you. Right? We don't want to discount... But just because a feeling is real doesn't make it true. Because a feeling is real doesn't make it true. And what the culture is saying about all of the feels is whatever you're feeling is your truth. Guys, here's the problem. If we're the ones lost, how are we going to find the truth by looking inside us? It'd be like if you're, in the, if you're in the forest and you've got a compass, but the compass is made to point to you. You're lost. You will always be lost until somebody comes and finds you. Because you're just walking to you all the time. That's the world we live in. And guys, if we want to be honest, that's the world you and I live in too most of the time. Our compass points to us. And it should point to God. In your handout, there are there's a list. Guys, there are so many wonderful promises about the love of God for you and for I. I, I, there's, I, I had them put them in the bulletin. I'm not going to read them all. I'm just going to read it first. You are a child of God. You are redeemed. You are delivered. You are saved. You are justified. You are sanctified. We're going to all, at the end of this message, we're going to all stand and sing a song about being a child of God. And Guys, I want you to sing it like you believe it. Because we have to renew our minds with these things. The world is constantly hitting us with so many lies that are discouraging and distracting and diminishing of where we started. That you're made in God's image for God's glory, in God's glory. And so we have to constantly be renewing our minds with that truth. Look at your last talking points question. Why is it so hard for us to fully live in the love of God? Why is I'm, I'm asking, again, why is it so hard? So we say that, we know that. Many of you have seen this handout several times in our church. Maybe some of you even have it taped up on your mirror, which I would highly recommend you do if you don't have it somewhere where you can remind, to remind yourself of it. But guys, we know these things. Why don't we live like we know it? Impatience, what else? Pro- what? What's that? We would have to change the way we live. Yeah, and that goes back to the thing about, like, we kind of like our sin life. right? We like a little bit of me. Like, you like a little bit of you. So you don't really want to give it all up. What else? I heard somebody else say something. What's that? Pride. Just like 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 we like when it's when our when our compass is pointing to us, it's really hard for us to look beyond that. Guys, understand this, and this came out so beautifully in our prayer time, and it was completely orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. We were made to live looking outward and upward, and that brings us to our last point. So, the question we're looking at today is: How does how we identify ourselves shape everything about how we see the world? It informs how you want to be known. It conforms how you feel love. And then ultimately it goes back to the point my mom just made, and it, it is, and it and it transforms how we live our lives. Now, guys, that's if if we really lived that like we knew that we knew that we knew that God, that Jesus fully loved the messed up us, it would transform how we live, how I'm living currently, today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year. It would change everything about how I'm living but the reverse is also true. The more we unhinge ourselves from the truth that we know that we know that we know that Jesus really loves us, the the more it transforms the other junk we're living for. The more you're spending time, and I love me a little Jordan Peterson. I do. But at the same time, that kind of conservatism without Christ is useless. Dennis Prager is awesome that he's also Jewish and doesn't know Jesus. That kind of conservatism without Christ is useless. We have to be able to say, is is, is what I'm being discipled by, is it pushing me further and further into the image of Jesus? Or is it maybe good stuff that's helping me understand right and wrong in the world, but isn't really pointing me to Christ? And so I just walk away from those moments frustrated about all that is wrong in the world. Instead of encouraged by the fact that the King of kings and Lord of lords is coming again, and when he does, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, right? That's what we have to remember. So that's how it transforms our lives. I'm just gonna read two verses out of that last section that Scott read, verses 12 and 13. So how does it, it transforms what we live for. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And here's what that kind of love looks like. Greater love has no one than this that someone would lay down his life for his friend. Guys, understand that this idea of where we started, this idea of self-identification, self, like just like the, the, the idol of self, all of that, is by definition selfish. It is selfish. And yet we talk about how like, like we're the ones that are accused of, being, of not being others-oriented. Because we're not letting people just live the way they want to live. Guys, letting someone live however they want to live is the epitome of feeding themselves, like their their self, to their detriment. Like, the the way you love people is by speaking truth to them. Because to just let them go, or or to speak truth in an unloving way, is not what Jesus wants us to be doing. Guys, it, it is... It is not only not good to to let people just live their lie. It is not God glorifying, and it is in no way going to exalt the image of Christ, like it conform you into the into His image in you, right? Like the, the the uncomfortable conversations are where the image of Christ get most well most um, clearly displayed in our lives, guys. Un- the music team is going to come up, and I just want to repeat something I just said a minute ago, is the idea behind this, like, greater love, have no one, that you laid on your life for yourself, it is describing something that is very different than our, it's not self-love. It's not even just loving the people that are like us or that we like. It is about a love that flows from the Father to other people. Guys, the great commandment was, is, love God and love people it is not love yourself and it is not let other people love themselves it is love god love people and and to say that oh yeah i do love god to call i go, go back to what i said a minute ago to call yourself a christian but not really embrace the love of christ in your life and 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 by the power of the spirit desire to live that out is to not really be a christian it it is it is some Weak version of that. Right? To, to call yourself a Christian and, it, and not live for Jesus is, is what Isaiah said in Isaiah 29. When he says, these people have, have um, honored me with their lips. They give me lip service. I showed up to church on Sunday. It's getting a little warm in here. Doug, you've been going for 40 minutes. What's your problem? Leave me alone. But their hearts are far from them, are far from him. That's what it means to call yourself a Christian, but not really seek hard after living for the love of Christ in you. Right? So, so how do we do that? As well, so, so like so so how so <clears throat> how does how you identify yourself conform everything about the way you live your life? Here's how it does it. When you come, when you and I come to realize, and we're gonna sing a song together, and then we're gonna I'll come back up and I'll lead us in our time of communion, when you and I realize all that it took for christ to prove his love for us when we when we come to embrace that reality and say you know what lord because you have loved me i can love other people that's what paul's talking about in romans chapter 12 therefore lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance this race that is set before us how Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, despising the shame, endured the cross. That's the call on our lives. And what I, I could think of no better way to wrap this, this message up on identity than to sing a song about identity. And so I would ask you guys all right now to close up your Bibles and to stand with me as we sing. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this song about, But, I, but I'm, if you mean it. Pray it like you, or sing it like well, sing it like you mean it. Because it's it's an easy thing to say. It's a much harder thing to live. And there are a few things in our world, guys, that will help conform us. Honestly, and I, I can't sing a lick. I can't. Just ask any of them, because they can hear me. I can't sing a lick. But there are a few things in our lives that will conform our hearts like music. Right, like the, the the best part of the service, so far to me was listening to you guys belt out the doxology. I, it, because I'm like, these are people that are in love with God, and I'm going to pray that this song leads us into the to the knowledge of His love for us. Let me pray, Father. I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that that we are made in Your image. That that we are that that creation was made very good when You made male and female in Your image, and that. That ultimately we are here as your image bearers to display your glory like no other part of creation can. So Lord, let us do that by first and foremost recognizing and embracing the the depths of the love that you have for us. Oh, the riches and knowledge of God, how unsearchable your judgments and unfathomable your ways. Lord, that that you love us to, to the utmost. May we love others well. In Jesus' name.